Hello and welcome to Talkie Talk, a podcast for the media by us.com. My name's Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Hey. And Chris. Hello. And we are going to be discussing our last uh, batch of homework The Hunt for the Wilder People. Yep. By Taika Watiti. Yeah, it's uh, Taika Watiti's. Uh, for some reason, I think when I signed it, I said it was one of his earlier films, but uh, technically it's his second, the most recent released movie at the moment. Um, yeah, so it was a, it was a fun movie. I'll run down the plot, I guess, right? That's where we do this part. <laughs> I forgot what we were doing for a second. Um, Ricky Baker, played by uh, uh, Julian Dennison, who I guess is most famous movie right now is Deadpool 2 yeah. at the moment. He's the kid there. Uh, he's a juvenile delinquent, a uh, really bad kid from, from New Zealand who uh, has gone through several foster homes and uh, essentially gets dropped off to this uh, elderly couple who can't have children uh, that live pretty much in the New Zealand like wilderness. They have a big field, but they're right up on the like jungles of New Zealand. Um, played by Sam Neill and... Uh, Rima Tiwata, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this a lot. Um, he's an asshole kid who gets dropped off, hates everything, hates it immediately. Sam Neill, the uncle and aunt, that's what he calls them, even though they're not biologically his uncle and aunt, uh, hates him back, likes his life with his wife out in the middle of nowhere where they <coughs> he hunts and she preps the food and it's a very like basic life. She, on the other hand, is like, delightful and dead set on making this kid's life better and kind of letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. He, like, runs away on the first night and she finds him, like, I don't know, several hundred yards away just sleeping in the wood with his hoodie zipped over his head and, you know, even when things are good, she tucks him in at night and says things like, you gonna run away tonight? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. And she's like, okay, whatever you want to do, it's fine. You can't get far. <laughs> we live in the jungle. Um... So things are going good for him, and uh, she <coughs> dies a sudden death early in the film. Um, the same, it's like a heart, heart attack, attack yeah. stroke, something like that. Uh, crushes Sam Neil, uh, her husband, who pretty much didn't have anything going for him in life except for her, and uh, upsets the kid too because he was in love with that woman, and mm-hmm. that was his path to a better life. He thought, and, and you think as the viewer. Um, they go to the funeral, they come back, and Sam Neill's going to give the kid back, and they're going to come take him back. Uh, you find out the kid hears a voicemail, I think, right? From the lady at child services, essentially right. saying, we're going to come get you. Paula. Find find where, find a new home for you, a new foster home. Um, so he runs away, stages a suicide that is hilarious. Right. Won't be seen as a suicide. <coughs> Burns down the barn at their house and runs away and is uh, found by Sam Neill not too long after that. Um, they're about to fight, you think. Well, you know they're not. Sam Neill breaks his ankle, fractures it, uh, and can't leave. And the kid can't leave because the kid will get lost. And they end up having to stay in this one spot in the jungle for like six weeks. And uh, in the meantime, they've decided that Sam Neill is... Kidnapping the kid, they being everybody in New Zealand, pretty yeah, much. The authorities. Um, Sad Mills kidnapped this kid, they're runaways. And once the ankle heals up, it's gone too far. There's like rumors that Sam Neill is like a child molester to this kid. And uh, the kid wants to live in the jungle forever, really. 
And Sam Neill kind of digs that idea too at this point. Uh, so it's pretty much them on the run uh, and not doing anything bad <laughs> to constitute being on the run. Um, you get a lot of like dramatic moments kind of and, and comedy moments throughout the run. It ends up, you know, ending how you think it would pretty much. They get caught finally. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Sam Neill goes to jail for, uh, I don't say how long, but you think it's like a few months, maybe. It sounds like a short time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the kid goes to uh, uh, dad and daughter, I think. Maybe a brother and daughter. He seems real young. Uh, that he met while he was trying to go get help at one point on their journey. And the kid gets to live with them. They're awesome, sweet people. And uh, Sam Neil finally gets out and makes up with the kid. They have a big fight right at the end there. The kid wants to keep running and Sam Neil wants to give up. And they get out, they make up, it's sweet. And Sam Neil comes to live with them, and that's kind of it. It is a father and daughter, not that it matters. Okay. Yeah. He just seemed like he could have been like yep. 30 years old. A cool young uncle or a brother. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, I left out a lot of like the single moments, but that's pretty much the... Yeah, just of the movie the trajectory of the main characters. Yeah, um, there are some kind of fun side characters. Paula Brent mentioned is the child services who turns herself into like a cop, even though she's not at all. Yeah, and she's been in a lot of Taika Waititi movies. Uh, that actress Rachel House, yeah, who plays her, she is. Uh, she's in Eagle versus Shark. Yeah, she's in Boy. Yeah, she's in this. She's in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, cool. As well. Uh, sh- Not in what we do in the shadows? I don't think so. No. So we'll get to all those movies eventually. That's our main topic for today. It's just talking about Taika Waititi's films. He's blowing up right now. Has been for a couple of years. Uh, kind of with Thor Ragnarok. Popped him on the scene in a big way. And uh, he's directing the Thor sequel now. And he's got a front runner for a Best Picture nominee uh, coming out in a month or two with uh, the film Jojo Rabbit. So, but before that, Brent, you want to run a mini gauntlet on Hunt for the Wilder People? Yeah. Oh, so are we are we uh, voting on this today? No. Okay. Just to <laughs> don't we normally run a little gauntlet on everything we talk about just to, to have the discussion of the movie? Sure. I was just <laughs> curious. I wanted yeah. to prepare my mind no. for that no. moment. I know how we start the gauntlet. We say, "What did you guys think of the movie?" Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I thought this movie had a lot of heart. And uh, I think with a movie like this, the most important thing is can you really buy the the situation of or the, the relationship? Because these two are kind of thrust towards each other by circumstance. And they've both lost some the only person they really care about in the trio. You know? Like there's a they're living together as a trio and and it's Bella who's holding them all together. Right. And when the glue is removed, do they drift apart or do they, you know, find new glue? Right. So to speak. And the answer is a little bit of both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they drift apart together. Right. But yeah, their their uh, comic sensibilities with one another, the actors are fantastic. They have great chemistry on screen, and uh, it's just a that's what makes the movie go, and it's great. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Uh, I liked it a lot too. Um, 
I, I really liked, I mean, Julian Dennison, his performance is basically all just like pretty phenomenal, like slapstick style comedy of, you know, taking kind of a, an old trope of put the city boy in the country, uh, but in the New Zealand bush, it's kind of like cranked up to 11 uh, with just how, how just like undiscovered and how un... Uh, unmapped, un- uncharted is the word, uh, that area is to just, and I don't mean this isn't a race thing, but, but to white people, um, you know, it's, it's, they as a country are much better at, not better, but they're, they are, they are strict conservationists when it comes to their wilderness because they do have a very delicate relationship with native people. Mm-hmm. And Paula kind of mentioned <clears throat> some of that where she, she's you know, a toy from an island of broken toys and kind of adopts some of the culture of the land when she's talking about the lake, the lake above the, the lake that touches the sky and how that's where she's going to return and bring on that mythology. And so like putting him in this like kind of sacred place, but that we just see as a setting. Um, Dennison's character is, is, is pretty funny. And then you also have Heck who's just, <clears throat> seems seems like is confident without substance. Like yes, he can definitely navigate it, but they definitely are lost. And you finally hear that when he, when they're talking to the first group, not the first group, but the group of hunters for the first time, that <clears throat> he admits that like we were lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we found this hut. Um, yeah. But so I, I I kind of liked that odd couple pairing uh, between the two of them, and thought that it was sweet and very heartfelt. Um, and uh, very funny at times. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, he is. Uh, they they do with filmmaking cover some of that in the New Zealand touching with the natives there. The Julian Dennison, who plays the one of the leads, the kid is uh, Maori descent. He's part of a tribe there, and Taika Waititi's dad was like full on Maori. So you're you get a lot of that coming from a true place and not a whitewashed film about yeah. New Zealand. You know what I mean? And Sam Neill was not Maori or from New Zealand technically, but he moved there when he was seven and was raised huh. there. Um, still lives there. So, What is his nationality by he birth? He was born in Northern Ireland. Oh, okay. <clears throat> hmm. um, uh, the reason he doesn't have much of an accent, I read <laughs> about this too, just to... Fun fact, uh, severe stutterer as a kid and never talked. Oh, so it was kind of washed out by a speech therapist? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, so that that part of the film was interesting, knowing that it's taking place in a country where the director and one of the lead actors, or both the lead actors, are they know it well. Yeah, and it's also, you know, the, the way that movies get made in New Zealand is very different than the way they get made in some parts of the world. Where it was directly sponsored, where a third of the budget came from the New Zealand Film Council, um, as you know, they they sponsor and put up money for for movies that I think, um, I, I I imagine the criteria is pretty loose just based on what I know of it from Flight of the Concords, right? Um, which is the comical take on it, but right, um, I, I I would expect that they would handle it appropriately. Sure. What's the sort of central theme of the movie? You think is it just sort of like just the more typical old story of finding finding family in unexpected places after after loss yeah being 
being lost and then found, I think, is a not hard to grasp metaphor for being lost in the jungle and then then being found. Um, Outcasts but, finding each other and just finding a life you want. You yeah. know, I mean, Sam Neill had lived his whole life content. I don't know if he was happy. You know, he yeah. loved his wife and liked not talking to anybody ever. Which, from what I've read about Sam Neill, is probably pretty easy acting for him. <laughs> um, so I feel like outsiders finding people, other outsiders they care about, is a is is a very common Taika Waititi theme. Yeah, even in the straight comedies, like uh, what we do in the shadows is about a group of outsiders, right? Like by biological design, I suppose. Right. Um, but sure. Thor Ragnarok is is yeah. it's it's a movie about him being outcast and Hulk being outcast and, and Hulk. And, yeah. and, from, and what's her name? The Valkyrie. Yeah. yeah, and from everything that you see, that I see from Jojo Rabbit, it's about a loner kid who finds it, who's an outcast, who finds a girl who is literally outcast from society, and an unlikely friendship between the two of them. Who has an imaginary friend who's yeah. a completely different version of Hitler than existed in reality, from what I can tell. Yeah, friendship among outsiders. It's, you know, I guess they'll completely change gears when he makes Akira. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, that's still not that far outside the pale. That's, I mean, that's, that's just joking. joking. Yeah, that's yeah. joking. Yeah, um, and I think it comes up a lot from his, uh, you know, life and the life of the Maori people, mm-hmm. um, being insiders who were cast out. So, um, it's interesting looking up the. Uh, the guy who wrote the story this is based off of, who was clearly the character Heck um, in his own story. Uh, it's a guy, John Crump, who uh, worked for many years as a deer culler in New Zealand in the New Zealand bush. Nice. <laughs> well, since we're streamlining, let's let's jump to the cast because I thought the I think the cast here is pretty fun. Um, and I kind of just want to run through it real quick. And uh, let's I'm going to go like not I'm not going through everybody, but bottom to top. Taika Waititi as the minister, he's great. Was really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the his muddled, weird uh, description of doors, <laughs> and his like that his analogy that made no sense, or his metaphor that made no sense whatsoever. It was a good like joke on what like preachers of any denomination or branch of religion do. Yeah, it's like oh, try and tie this thing in to right. what we're all experiencing right now. Right, and the good ones make it work. So there's <laughs> the a bad door. ones still do it. What's behind that door? Jesus? No. Um, that's a third door. What's behind this door? It's still Jesus. <laughs> What's behind that door? It's another door. Yeah. <laughs> Leading to Jesus. Um, I, I do, you know, I, I'm, I guess this is in between, I haven't seen Boy, but I guess this is the movie that came out in between his most expanded roles that he's given himself in movies, which is What We Do in the Shadows, He's pretty prominent, and uh, Ragnarok. He's probably the like the fifth ma- main character. In voice only, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But boy, is he's the second. He's the lead. Okay, and he's barely boy is the lead, but he is the adult lead, and he is uh, <laughs> only technically in Eagle versus Shark, right? Yeah, um, but uh, that's a. I don't know. I feel like he's doing better than M Night Shyamalan at figuring out when to put himself into certain roles. In his own movies. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did read this. This is uh, Stan Walker as Ron, who uh, 
Ron's not even a character who I don't even think they said his name. He's one of the three hunters. He's the one who gets like kind of left behind. Somebody takes his stuff at one point. His motorcycle, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Um, that guy was the uh, winner of the final season of Australian Idol. Oh, weird. Yes. Um, so he's a, a big... I guess that he's a recognizable person there. Right. Um, that was... Uh, anyway, odd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, odd. Uh, Reese Darby. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. One of my favorite character introductions on screen I've ever seen. <laughs> is it a bush? Or is it a man? <laughs> I lost it when he was like, I have an underground bunker. He opens the door, he's like, I have a dick in it. What have I been doing what with my life? Done with my life? God. Yeah. yeah. It was so good. So I don't really know him from much. What else is... Where was uh, Flight of the Conquest. Yeah, he's the third build Flight of the Conquest. Yeah, he's, he's the government attaché for the New Zealand Film Commission. Who, who, or the New Zealand Arts Commission, who is the person who is sponsoring them. He plays Murray uh, in Flight of the Concords. He's also, I mean, you see him, he's the head werewolf in What We Do in the Shadows. Um, he's also oh, in, yeah. in Jumanji. He's, he's the, the NPC. <laughs> the Jeep. Welcome to Jumanji. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he's got a face I've, I've recognized and I've seen. and He's a, yeah, he's a comedic superstar in New Zealand. Yeah, for sure. Then a prolific like New Zealand television actor. Yeah, he does a lot of like cameo and like short roles and stuff. Yeah, Psycho Sam is a is a great version of a tr- sort of a tropey character, like the 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 nut job who lives by himself. But uh, what does he call his truck? Rosa? No, it's, I thought it was a Cappy. It starts with a C and it ends with it's definitely a Cuppy. I forget. Chippy? Chitty? I don't know. But, uh... The way he refers to that like they should know what it is is so funny. Um... We mentioned Rachel House earlier as Paula, the child welfare worker who... She's pretty good. ...who gets super militant over the course of the movie. Like, she's... And not called out till the very end. the very end. It's like, you have to just go back to your desk job now. You know that, right? (laughs) Is it... And she, then you notice she's wearing like a bulletproof vest and whatnot, and she's going on raids. She starts reading the Miranda rights, and the New Zealand cop is like, "We don't really do that here. Yeah. <laughs> it's an American thing. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that here, and you're not a police officer, <laughs> right?" <laughs> when she's, I laugh so hard when she goes and catches the kid. She's yeah. just like, "Ah!" <laughs> like screams, then just hugs him. And the kid's like, "I'm just standing." That was she, she says, "I have the precious child" or yeah. something. I have the package. Okay, at some point she says precious child. I think it's when she's on the news in between her repeating the phrase no child left behind four or five times. Or he'll know what it means. No child left behind. It's like the kid's standing there though in a group of cops and she runs up and like bear hugs him and she's like, I've got the package. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier Rima T. Wiata as Auntie Bella. Yeah, and she was great. She's fantastic. First 20 minutes of this yes. movie. I love the... I've mentioned it, but the, are you running away again tonight scene? It was just super cute. Yeah. Yeah, for such an early character death, it is heartbreaking because you can see what is building between her and Ricky. And you see the death coming, too. Or I did, anyway. Just from seeing the cover of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you knew she wasn't long for this world. She was going to be the catalyst that made whatever happened happen. Oh, yeah. Her death. I, 
hit me by surprise because I knew nothing about like this movie or well, I think what the just, general idea was. Just knowing that like they're not all you knew she wasn't gonna like leave. You know what I mean? Something bad had to happen because things were getting good. Is my I'm point. saying I didn't know anyone left. I I understand what you were saying. Okay. I'm saying that would be a boring fucking movie. That because things were getting so good so quick in the beginning okay. that you should have known something bad was gonna happen. Uh, okay. Is all I'm saying. Or not. I mean, I guess movies can never have anything happen in the <laughs> but I didn't know what you would think That's... was coming, you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> Julian Dennison, I know that we kinda of talked about him before, but I think it's interesting, his uh like according to like the movies that he's been in that were from New Zealand, like New Zealand based movies, his first movie shopping, he won Best Supporting Actor in the New Zealand Film Awards. His second, like, New Zealand movie, Hunt for the Wilder People, he won uh, New Zealand Film and Television Awards for Best Actor. Like, he's two for two for New Zealand-based movies. And then there's other ones that I didn't... Like, I've seen Paper Planes, didn't really recognize him in it. He's not, like, a major character. And I've never heard of Chronesthesia. I don't know if you guys have heard of Never heard of it. Um, But then, yeah, Deadpool 2, he's Fire Fist. And then... uh, Probably the best character from Deadpool 2, yeah. if, if I had to pick one. Sure. And then uh, he's in a post-production for Godzilla vs. Kong. So. Oh, weird. Cool. Good for him. Yeah. Now, I didn't, I, just to rehash real quick, I didn't mean you should know, or <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound as dickish as it did. I was just saying, and when I said sometimes movies don't have to have things happen, I meant that true, like Florida Project or that rodeo movie we watched, that that could have been the case. I like to think of, of that rodeo movie we watched, and we just never... I just don't remember the title of it. I know Brent does, probably because he liked it, and I feel bad that I don't that I shit on it by not remembering the title. What was it called? Uh, I forgot the name. Okay. <laughs> the Rider. Mm. The Rider. But, so are there any other aspects of this we want to go over? Not really. It felt very... Uh, does it... Does Taika Waititi have enough movies to have, like, the... Cohen, Hal Cohen Brothers, is it? Discussion? There's an... Well, I mean, he's got... It's it's, it's his humor, I think, that that kind of pl- hits the same beats in, in each movie. And I'm not... That doesn't mean it's repetitive or boring in any way, but it's the same kind of humor, I think. Yeah. Um, not comparing him to Wes Anderson, but kind of in that way. Yes. Although this movie felt very Wes Anderson. Yeah, and Brent talked about that some. Wes the, Anderson like, movie. Zoom in on the note. Yeah. Before the fake suicide seemed very Wes Anderson to me. Yeah. Not enough symmetry to be a Wes Anderson <laughs> movie. Uh, again, I think that we talk about, uh, you know, scenery cheating. And I think that for sure this kind of gets an automatic check mark for, for filming where it did. It was just, like, gorgeous. I thought about what Brent was saying about Northern California cheating. Yeah. And it felt like that at times. Especially the, like, big overshots of the house. In the field. Mm-hmm. So pretty. Well, I did like when he points out that this is like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> Sorry, I did the, the gesture that he did where he's pulling the ring on and off with yeah, the hiding yeah. below the tree roots. Um, but yeah, the, the Wes Anderson thing, I, I thought the, the, the what clues me in now hearing that you guys had a conversation about it was the first time he runs away and then it's just like laying down in the grass field and uh, Paula finds him or and is like... Oh, you running away? You didn't get very far. And then 
the camera just like <laughs> like shifts to the right a little bit to show that the house is just like over the hill. Mm-hmm. I was taking a break. <laughs> but yeah, I liked it. I think we would all recommend it. Um, it's a pretty pretty easy watch. What what Brent, you're the Chris didn't do it as much. What's what'd you give it star wise? Uh four, I believe. About where I'd be. Yeah. Um it's the highest grossing movie made in New Zealand uh, it, at the New Zealand box office in history. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, considered a New Zealand production. So, yeah, take so, it out. I was like, you got to remove Lord of the Rings somewhere. Right. Yeah. right, yeah. But it's like, we watched a movie like that that was, the, that, that was true for South Korea. And I forget what it was. But it's that same thing where it's like, this is the most. Uh, for would that have been the host, or maybe we were talking about uh, burning. That could have been it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I do remember having a similar discussion. Yeah, or was it the new movie that might get nominated this year? Well, Spirited Away was the highest grossing. That's something. Japanese something or another yeah. in Japan. Yeah. It was like Japanese production in Japanese box office. Yes. Yeah. What's the Bong Joon-ho movie that's coming out this year? That's getting like... Parasite. Parasite. Or The Parasite. I'm, I'm so sure. excited to see that. Yeah. Yeah. But, so cool. So, what does it rank in... Uh, did you know where it ranks in Taika Waititi's Sans Thor? Like World Of all of his releases? Or American gross, domestic gross? I'll have that answer for you I would later. guess what we have in the shadows is probably more... You think... Oh, yeah. that'd be a good guess. I heard more about it at the time. I mean, yeah, this, this came out since then, and I... I thought not, this movie came out in, like, oh, nine. Yeah, I this guessed. didn't even register. I thought this is, like, the kind of movie that got him noticed for what we do in the shadows. And it kind of looks like that after watching it a little bit. Yeah. I uh, know, this, did, uh, this the, did better. You can you can see the... the oh, wow, really? It's Thor Ragnarok at a bajillion dollars. <laughs> Hunt for the Wilder People has a lifetime gross of $5.2 million. And what we do in the shadows is three point four million. Oh wow! Million. Oh, okay. Boy and boy is next at two hundred fifty six thousand, and Eagle vs Shark is two hundred twenty one thousand. The U.S. domestic, I'm assuming, worldwide. Hey, Life, lifetime got, gross theaters. I've got Wilder People box office at twenty three million on their Wikipedia page. Oh, because the internet always agrees on this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm on Box Office Mojo and it's not breaking out. Okay. Oh wait, worldwide adjusted is yeah, it still has. Wait, worldwide unadjusted. Never mind. <laughs> this is Ugh. not <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> I don't know how. So, where does it rank for y'all, and what you've seen in Watidia? So, Brent, you're missing boy only. Yeah. And Chris, you're missing boy only. And what we do in the shadows. I haven't seen what we do oh, in the okay. shadows. Where does it rank for you? You think um, the Thor's hard? I know. So, give a pass there if you it, need to. It almost feels bad saying this, but it feels it. I think it ranks third for me. I think I like Thor Ragnarok more because it's uh, an impressive blend of multiple genres that of, I that I like. <laughs> One genre being Taika Waititi, I feel like almost. Yeah, and uh, I think what we do in the shadows is just it's such a great straight comedy. You did love that movie. It yeah. was really good. It, it's really really good. I think this is cl- close third. Um, it's really good for what it is. So. It's hard because you have a clear fourth, I guess. Not oh, seeing boy yet. Yes, the eagle. I did not like eagle. Versus and that's, shark. I guess we can kind of start there. That was his first film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was a little higher on it than you, but not not much. Mm-hmm. Maybe on a rewatch, I would have it closer to 
but you thought it was categorically pretty, pretty not good, pretty bad. Not like what I would call awful, but it just nothing really, nothing really quite landed for me. There were some parts that were amusing. Bad movie with moments, maybe. A bad movie with a few good moments, but no real great moments for me. Yeah, and the good moments were the comic relief. The drama definitely didn't hit. No, at all. Which is a shame because it's such a. It feels like it should be more of a personal movie. He wrote that for his uh, girlfriend or wife, who is the main star. She was listed as a life partner at the time. Yeah, not anymore. Okay, and I don't know. It's it's but I I really did not. I think I just had a a rough time um, connecting to Jermaine Clement's character in that movie. Yeah, and I didn't know what I didn't know if I was supposed to like him at all, or if I was supposed to. <sighs> so he's so dry. I feel like in most of his movies that when he's asked to play somebody who is obviously has mental health issues, mm-hmm. that he doesn't really come across that way because he never does much. He never acts over the top. Like he's essentially playing his characters on Fly of the Concords, Chris. Right. You've seen Over Shark too, right? Yeah. But the guy in Fly of the Concords is not supposed to have mental health issues. He's just supposed to be like a weird dude. Right. But it's the same character, but this guy's got like, he's on the spectrum. You know what I mean? So, I agree with you. It didn't really come across well. And that's, I don't know if that's, I don't want to say that's Jermaine Clement's or Taika Waititi's problem, but it was probably just bad casting. I, I think it might have been, there, there, there's a disconnect in the writing of that character. Like, because, I mean, the whole point, and I might be just taking too much off the, off the, you know, promotional materials, but the whole idea of there's something, there's someone for everyone, apparently, like, I think that it's perfectly fine for us to dislike him, not relate to him, because, like, they, those two characters are supposed to be for each other and only each other. Right. So there's a reasonable disconnect if you watch it and you go, like, who are these people and why are they making these decisions and why do they talk like this to each other? It's bizarre. Yeah. I think Brent liked my Napoleon Dynamite comparison right or not liked it yeah it's not it's not that he although he he has a lot of mannerisms that are just like napoleon dynamite where he'll just like he'll just, uh, and like get up yeah and walk away but fed up overly fed up it's also the aesthetic of that movie is very much like napoleon dynamite a lot of the i don't know the way a random, like a character will be brought in for one scene and it'll be a quirky, weird character and then we won't see them again. Right. It's similar to Napoleon Dynamite for me. Yeah. Which is also a, a love story about... Um, Two weird people. About a girl who sees something in a guy that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what those movies have in common. Yeah. Where I feel bad for the girl at the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he kind of was running off Napoleon Dynamite and... Have you seen Benny and Jim, Chris? I know Brent Hatton. No. It's the same kind of scenario. They're like two, like, people that have issues kind of falling for each other. And you don't feel as bad for the girl in Benny and Jim or uh, Eeyore Shark as much for me, but in Napoleon Dynamite, I felt bad because she's really nothing wrong with her. No. Nope, in Napoleon Dynamite, she's kind of smart and just likes Napoleon Dynamite because right. it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't mind, you know. It's not that, that people who have issues like that should not find love on the silver screen, but it's that I just, it's, uh, and I'm sure there's an example, I'm sure there are several examples of movies like that where I loved it. Um, but something about these characters made them hard for me to relate to. Yeah. 
Um, I actually liked the girl, except for her fascination with him. <laughs> it <laughs> is the only thing yeah. I could not get over. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend it, Chris? Uh, no. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I realize that you and I have been talking more negatively <laughs> about it, not just waiting Chris for Chris to be like, I loved it. I've seen it a long time ago. Yeah. I saw it when it like ran through some premium channels a lot, way back. But I was looking at Jermaine Clement, because we were talking about if he plays flat all the time. Uh, and so I was trying to see where he didn't. Moana. Men in Black. Moana and Men in Black 2? Men in Black 3. 3. Um, but the uh, my favorite of his roles that I didn't realize is in 2017, the Lego Batman movie. Do you know who he voices? Oh. Penguin. Think, think New Zealand. The Aquaman? P- Peter Jackson? <laughs> Close. He voices Hello. Sauron. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, his next movie was 2010 movie that I'm the only one who's seen, so I won't dwell on it too long. But I saw Boy, um, which is a movie about a it's a it's a coming of age comedy drama, more themes like we talked about or Brent talked about earlier, and it's uh, about a Maury kid who uh, his dad is in prison and is like a, a, a bad dad, delinquent dad, uh, who he holds in super high esteem. It's set in the mid 80s, the kid loves like Michael Jackson. And the dad comes back, uh, and the dad's played by Taika Waititi. And uh, it's them kind of getting to know each other, and the kid coming to terms with his dad being a shithead, uh, or doing bad things in the past, anyway. Uh, it's got, the dad has redeeming qualities. It's probably my second favorite Taika Waititi movie after Thor. Oh, cool. Um, it's really, really good, and the Maori kid um, is... James Rolston. Yeah, is, is really, really great. It's really well reviewed, so I'm I'm looking forward to watching. It's it. It's streaming free on Vudu right now. With uh, just watch some ads, and watch just some watch movie. some ads and watch the movie. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I will not do it. <laughs> His next movie, however, uh, me and Brent have seen 2014's "What We Do in the Shadows" is a straight, the most comedy movie that he's done to this point, and uh, it's filmed in mockumentary style, which I always am a sucker for those. Anyway, mm-hmm. they could be bad, but I'll definitely watch pretty much anything that gets moderately good reviews. That's I really, I really need to rewatch this movie. I need to know if I'm that swayed by what is my favorite, like just joke of in a movie this decade, which is uh, yeah, the, which one the uh, one of the it's uh, it's Jermaine Clement. He's like, leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet, <laughs> and uh, he's like, what are you bidding on? He's like, a table, because he's you look behind him, he's just on eBay, yeah, doing his dark bidding. <laughs> And something about that tickled me so much. It did that tickle day. you. You really liked that joke. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I really, I, I remember. I don't remember enough a lot of specifics about that movie, other than just I just remember being just enamored with the, all the comedy. Yeah, I mean, I liked the different types of vampires that existed. Mm-hmm. That was fun. They had the, the Nosferatu type who like lived in their basement, and he was really funny. He was Taika Waititi is so funny in that movie. Taika Waititi is like the youngest, I guess, probably, of the four. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is really, really great. It is a they embrace the comedy so hard um, that uh, I was glad they don't try to make it anything it's not. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's why I feel like it's so good. Um, yeah, definitely recommend that if anyone hasn't seen it. 
My favorite joke in it by far is they meet this werewolf clan, which is ran by Reese Darby, and one of them's like, we'll bite your fucking ear off or some shit. And uh, Reese Darby yells at his other werewolf guy, his guys, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 great. I love the woman who wants to be a vampire so bad, who's there like uh, let them in kind of partner. Mm-hmm. They just they do all the little vampire tropes so yeah. well. Um, all the history behind each one of them. Uh, Jermaine Clement's actually in it, but he real flat character again. But he's great, and then mm-hmm. he plays like a Vlad the Impaler got turned into a vampire type. I definitely recommend what we do in the shadows, though. It's just, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Apparently the TV show is really good. It's based off it, and it is written by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, who co-wrote the movie. And it's great, though. It uh, had a 10-episode run on FX in March of this year and got renewed for 10 more. Good. So, it's supposed to be pretty good. It's different actors, but um, it's the same kind of mockumentary-style show, except this time the vampires live in an apartment in New York City. Fun. Um, before okay. we jump, uh, let's actually go back and re-hit our homework real quick, because I want to talk about Sam Neill real quick. And for the Little People is next. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the kid's great. First off, the kid is great in the movie, and, uh, you know, obviously it launched into Deadpool 2, which yeah. was, I thought he was really good in that movie too. But, um, Sam Neill, stop me if you've heard this, Sam Neill is... A grizzled older guy who doesn't like kids, who winds up <laughs> having to protect a kid out in the wilderness, uh, and winds up by the end of the movie kind of appreciating him. And yeah. then they see some birds together at the very end of the movie. <laughs> Where have you heard this before? Did I, did I miss something? Do they find the birds in the end? They don't. They don't go back and find the bird in the end, but they they imply that they're going to go look for them. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think this is. I think he's better in this movie than he is doing the same thing in Jurassic Park. I think he's just as good. No, I wouldn't. Not, I wouldn't argue with anybody having either opinion. Yeah, yeah. Sam Neill's just great. He's been bad in one movie that I've seen him in, which is that fucking space horror movie. Event Horizon. Yeah. Oh, well, that's just a bad. Movie. I haven't seen very much Sam Neill. I don't know. He plays small fucking characters in a lot of movies. There's a. Romantic comedy based on Wim- on Wimbledon called Wimbledon. Did y'all ever see that with mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany? Oh, yeah. And he plays like Kirsten Dunst's dad. And it's just like okay. <laughs> that that movie came out around the same time as Match Point, and I always get them confused in my okay. Head. Match Point's the one where Scarlett Johansson gets shot with a shotgun like forty minutes into the movie, right? Yeah, that's the Woody Allen, right? Yeah, yes, okay. Point. Yeah, uh, I do want to say another uh, step back uh, from our march forward. That the TV show, what we do in the shadows, has Matt Barry, who you recognize from the IT crowd. He's oh, yeah. the boss from the IT crowd. Um, but it also has somebody. Because I was just clicking through the cast, somebody whose uh, description in Wikipedia includes the paragraph: He first rose to prominence when he portrayed a character, Kay Strauss, a parody of a yo-yo master who became an internet sensation after appearing on local news shows. So, <laughs> holy shit! Same Neil's and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> What? He plays the guy playing Odin in the play. Huh. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Jeez. So it's got Sam Neill and Matt Damon. <laughs> 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 and 
and the other Hemsworth brother from Westworld. Liam? Liam. No. No, no the, the other, third other. One, The third Hemsworth. Uh, the one that's in Westworld. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Hemi. <laughs> He's got Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Jimmy? He's got a Hemi. I don't know. Um, that's fun, though. I just Googled the word Hemsworth. <laughs> how, how, how mad are you if you're Liam when... What pops up is just Chris. <laughs> well, um, and how much angry are you if you're the other Luke Hemsworth? Luke. Anyway, I like to think of Uncle Heck as basically uh, retired Alan Grant. Alan Grant moved off to an island where he Ellie, Ellie dumped him and he got real upset. Where, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? It kind of fits too. This Heck can't have kids. Maybe that's why Grant didn't like kids. Because he couldn't have them. John Hammond never experimented on New Zealand. So he was like, I'm just going to go to New Zealand. Move out to a farm in New Zealand. And, uh... Um... Well, cool, yeah. After Hunt for the Voted People, it is the tiny little film that could Thor Ragnarok. Um, so that would be such a weird... We've talked about this before, I think, with, uh... Oh my god, what's his name? Um, Kugler. About, like... While he was a director and then directed another movie, it doesn't feel like it could be the same kind of job. Can you imagine directing like Hunt for the Wilder People and then having to direct Thor Ragnarok? It's just not the same thing. Right. It's like, Edgar Wright, directing all his movies and then hopefully getting the chance to direct Ant-Man. It's, I think Marvel Studios has the ability to find good directors, good young directors and put in their spin on their properties in their single hero pieces. But not too much spin. Not too much, baby. We'll take it back from you. So fast. <laughs> I actually have a theory about Marvel Studios and directors, which is that um, Coogler and YTD are actually the exceptions, more of the exceptions, because I think uh, Marvel Studios tend to take not great directors and get them to make much better movies than True, they've ever I mean, before. Yeah, I guess outside of like Weed, I guess, would be the third. Yeah, I mean Kenneth Branagh. Well, then again, Kenneth Branagh's made some clunkers too. He makes oh, yeah. some shitty totally. movies. So I don't. And Thor's not amazing. So yeah, I guess I'd throw Whedon in the mix. But after that, yeah, maybe just Whedon directed yes. Avengers. Right? John Favreau did some Iron Man, but he had not done much before. I think I, mean, I, yeah. I consider Marvel Studios as more of a star makers of directors. Like they don't go back I think, to yeah, I think bad Favreau had done amazing movies but I don't think it was due to his direction yeah. I think Elf is an incredible iconic Christmas movie but, yeah you know not right. because of him right. necessarily Shane Black what did he direct Iron Man Iron 3, Man 3. <clears throat> so they fail sometimes yeah <laughs> Iron Man 3 is not bad yeah but, yeah that's a good point I don't know it's something I'd noticed specifically with the Russo brothers yeah they don't oh. Yeah, because Joe Johnston isn't really a leap when he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Rocketeer. He directed Captain America the First Avenger. Wait, what was the first movie you said he directed? Uh, the Rocketeer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Sorry, it's just an interesting list. Yeah. <clears throat> Scott Derrickson is, a, is an interesting one. He directed Doctor Strange. Right. Um, he is also, but he's a writer and director known for Doctor Strange, uh, the 2012 horror movie Sinister, and then the 2008 reboot of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Which was, wait, is that the one that's just reviled by everyone, or is that 
Is that the one with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, it is. Yeah, then I think people do just hate that movie. Yeah, so that's that's one where they definitely pulled somebody out of obscurity. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm, I'm looking through these and like... The director for... Um, for Spider-Man Homecoming, John Watts, he really didn't do a whole lot before. Mm-hmm. He directed Cop Car, which I don't know what that is. And then he directed a bunch of segments on the Onion News Network back when that was a thing, and Onion Sports Dome. Before that, he did a bunch of shorts for musicians. Yeah. That's, I don't know. It's interesting to see how that happens. But back to the, your original point about what it must be like going to a production that size. I mean, I think I heard an interview where Ryan Johnson was talking about going from Looper to The Last Jedi. Oh, God, yeah, same thing. Yeah. And he said it was... It was very similar. You just... He said, as long as you have a structured approach. Yeah. Because then you just expand it. It was even more than Taika Waititi, I think. Uh, I feel like Kugler and Johnson followed the same kind of trajectory. With Johnson, where it's like brick, which was nothing. And then Looper, at least, was something. Like, Fruitville Station would have probably had a crew of, like, 100. Yeah. To Creed, which was bigger. Bigger. But then nothing compared to right. what he had. We'll get ready for two of the upcoming films. Uh, Chloe Zhao, director of The Rider, is directing The Eternals. And Dan- Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed Short Term 12, is directing Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah, because I think uh, Captain Marvel will be in that movie, I want to say. Or yeah, that and Captain, Captain Marvel was directed by Ryan Fleck, the guy who directed Half Nelson. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, and that other... The Eternals is the all-female, right? Uh, I believe so. And that's why I got the female director from The Rider. She was... That was a female, yes. Mm-hmm. Who? I mean, I, I know me and Chris weren't as high on that movie as you and David were, but the direction was... Yeah. Had nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a oh, it's beautiful not all, movie. It's not all-female. Is it mainly female, though? Mainly female. Okay. So, yeah, because Richard Madden yeah. and Kit Harington reuniting in a movie. Fun. <laughs> So looking forward, I guess, uh, Akira kind of got pushed back. That was Taika Waititi's next big project. Y'all, I know Brent, you're doing the trailer thing, but just from Taika Waititi alone and knowing the buzz around Jojo Rabbit, are you, where, where are you on the excitement level for that? I am surprised and interested that it is getting awards hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm as interested to see it as I would be if it weren't. Or Any Taika Waititi vehicle, pretty Basically, much. yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I'm not quite like first in line at the movie theater on opening night when it comes to Taika Waititi, but I like him and I like his movies. That I've and seen. just hearing this, even not knowing the trailers or knowing anything about it, but just being like, Taika Waititi billed as Hitler? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. about you, Chris? Looking you excited? I am excited about Jojo Rabbit. I've watched it. I'm the opposite of Brent. I've watched a, a bit of the press for it yeah. and some of the more famous clips that are going around. Are have images of Taika Waititi and the boy who plays the main character. Yeah, they are coordinating their outfits for every <laughs> press junket they do, which is just amusing and cute to me. But right. other than that, like the the trailers look great. Cool, um, and I am excited about Akira for sure. Love and Thunder and Akira, yeah. and uh, I don't know anything about the other movie um, that he is pegged to direct. Um, that's I think in post production. That's the soccer film. Uh, yeah. It's about the American Samoa national soccer team. 
okay. famously being awful. He's also uh, directing an episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, cool. So Neat. It's, it's interesting from that because it's Disney using their stable of directors, but also interesting thinking about what the tone of the show The Mandalorian is going to be. Yeah. A few episodes in, Taika Waititi's got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, Breezy, you got some homework for us, bud? I do. Um, it's not going to be the feel-good story <laughs> that uh, Hunt for the Wilder People was. Okay. Um but we are taking a similar approach. We're gonna we're gonna watch a movie of a director that who has a, a big movie coming out soon, and uh, in preparation for The Irishman, which some are calling Robert De Niro's best performance in years. Uh, let's watch what is considered one of his best performances ever. We're gonna watch the roast of Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna watch uh, episode seventeen from last season of Saturday Night Live, where he played uh, Robert Mueller. No, um, he seemed like he was lost on set, and they were like, "You belong over here. We're gonna put some shit on your face. Just act like, like you." John McCain in a town hall debate. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, let's let's tackle Raging Bull. Okay, from Netflix. I've um, seen it, but I want I need to see it again. Yeah, from Raging Pig to Raging Bull. <laughs> Our homework continues. No, we talk about that comically large boar. I mean, probably not. I don't know what the fuck's in New Zealand, but that boar looked huge. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I don't ask questions when it gets to that part of the world. <laughs> yeah. When I, they, they could have made that thing look like the, feet uh, tall and I would have believed it. It reminded me kind of the pigs from End of Beast of the Southern Wild. Yeah. Yeah. That were just like, yeah. why are they that big? <laughs> or like, Okja. Just like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, that thing's fur could be made of fire, and I would have been like, those are in New Zealand. I saw a movie about it. <laughs> So we might do a quick talk of fame on Raging Bull since okay. it has it's, that it's, it's legacy yeah. and um, maybe not take us long so that we can get into Scorsese and uh, cool. whatever. I like it. And then we are going to officially determine whether it's Martin Scorsese or Martin Scorsese. <laughs> That's the main topic. That's the main topic. <laughs> is how do you say Martin Scorsese? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, that's Talkie Talk. Thanks for listening. We are TheMediaByUs.com, and you are the listeners. And uh, thank you to Willow Walkers. Thanks. Thank you to Boorifa. Please rate and subscribe, and please turn off your podcast listening device now. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes. Long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know